Hi there, my name is Sean Sunday, my pronouns are he, him, and this is No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Each week a new creator joins me to chat about a book we've both read and loved. This show is initially recorded as a video talk show, so if you want to see what we're showing on the screen while we talk, head over to the Brainbee Studios YouTube and watch that video. If not, head down below to the description, open up the comic, and read along while we chat. Thanks for listening, enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of No Capes, the talk show where we talk about comics with other comics creators. Uh, Today I have the wonderful Erica Schultz with me and we're talking about I Hate Fairyland by Scotty Young. It's going to be a fun ride and thank you Erica for joining us. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about your work? Uh, Sure, yeah. My name is Erica Schultz. I am the writer and creator of Forgotten Home, which... uh was just nominated for five Ringo Awards. Uh, I am also um, the writer and creator of, co-creator of M3 and creator of 12 Devils Dancing. Um, I've written for Marvel and DC and I've done uh, some stuff for Image. I'm also an editor at Mad Cave Studios and uh, I am the writing instructor at the Kubert School. Very cool. I'm actually looking at the Kubert School correspondence program at the moment. I've been eyeing it off, but the uh, Australian dollar to American dollar translation at the moment is a little Isn't bit so great. It's a little bit expensive, and then there's shipping on top of that right now. Like shipping to America from Australia, good, not taking that long. I'm still waiting on a present from America that my friend sent me nine weeks ago. Yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't defend our postal service. I'm sorry. Well, I know that most of the issues right now is because they send it all on passenger planes. And there's not a lot of passenger planes going anywhere. It's the I same. I think it's something like 70% or 75% down, um, down from this time last year in terms of travel. Yeah, no, ex- yeah. exactly. Even from here, like everything goes down to Melbourne or Sydney and they gets put on a plane from there. If it goes down to Melbourne, it's been taking an extra two weeks to leave than it has from Sydney. So it's it, even that. But once it does leave, it's not taking a lot of time to get through customs and get to places in the States, which is good. Well, I mean, there, there are online courses that you can take. I have been looking um, into those. I was um, doing a... There's basic drawing one and two and coloring and... I'm looking forward to the coloring one, actually. Um, I just backed that uh, Render Wave Colorpedia that was on Kickstarter. So I'm yeah. eagerly awaiting my copy of that, and then I want to try to get involved in some of those online courses. Um, I was just doing a social media and marketing course for eight weeks. So I was like, mm, that first. Yeah, there's actually there's a, an animation course that I need to finish Um you it's all pre-recorded oh cool uh it's teaching some more uh because i've done animation but it's teaching some different techniques and i'm like halfway through it i'm like i really i really need to sit down and finish that up yeah no i i know what you mean completely that uh there's the um clip studio paint course that somebody made Mm -hmm. a little while ago that i've been meaning to sit down purchase and just do but uh because i work in social media when i'm not doing my comics and gaming related stuff. I was like, I better get this done first. 
No, that I mean, and that makes total sense. So I'm really looking forward to that, but I, I will at some point, once shipping is more normalized, I really want to do that correspondence course. Because... Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, it is great how it has opened a lot of people up to be able to um, to interact with the instructors, whether it's on the online course or it's through correspondence. Um, and the instructors really do give you a lot of attention and and. I mean, we're here to make you a better creator, you know, to, to give you better technique. So, yeah. And, th and that's it. Like I've literally been eyeing off that correspondence course since I was about 12. <laughs> I first heard of the Cubit school when I was in junior high and I was like, yes, that. And now I'm a grown ass man and maybe I can afford it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, with luck, you'll be one of the students soon. Yeah, I really hope so. Because um, I love everything I've seen about it. I've seen a few people that I follow online, like, posting their pages that they did for assignments and stuff. And it was really inspiring seeing the kind of marking and critique that they got, as opposed to when I went to fine art school last year. <laughs> that was not an amazing experience. 10 out of 10 do not recommend you know what they can't they can't all be gems it's true i was just amazed at how the entire school was not a gem because <laughs> i'd been to that school before for game design and i did some amazing illustration classes while i was there and that was where i first met uh, Stuart mckenney mm -hmm. um, he was a guest lecturer in my illustration class i was like this is amazing they don't do any illustration classes anymore. You know, in, in the States, there's an issue with a lot of the publicly funded schools where um, they've been removing funding for arts programs and music programs and things like that. So, I mean, I don't know how things work on your end. Same, um, same. But, I mean, that could be maybe the reason why they've removed the illustration because of lack of funding. Yeah, the LNP government I've uh, been axing arts funding all over the place and also schooling funding. Uh, and they've just like doubled the cost of university. You know, I'm very lucky that when I graduated college, I was able to get a job within a few months and I was able to pay off my loans. Um, so, I mean, but I also, you know, I'm, I'm much older than you are. Um, so I was able to, you know, I had the time to do that and I'm very lucky at that. I don't, I don't envy people getting out of school and having, you know, crushing loans. I mean, I, I had pretty big loans myself, but, um, I also did like work study and things like that. So you would like work for the university and that would offset the cost of your tuition. I also had scholarships and that kind of thing. Um, but no, I mean, I was very lucky to be able to like get a job that was a good paying job or a good enough paying job that I was able to pay my loans down and get them over and done with. Um, so yeah, I, I count my, my lucky stars on that one. Yeah. That's actually why I love where I'm working right now. Um, it's, it's just a little startup. So literally none of us are getting paid right now. Um, we're working with equity, but, um, I'm getting so much training for my first job working in social media community management out of it. It's 
brilliant. It's like such a wonderful company to work for. And it was perfect for my first job out of the gate to work in the industry and community that I'm so steeped in. Like, that's actually my work. And I've had that poster up there for since a year before I started working for them. That's great. Um, I just had, that's partly how I got the job as well is because I was already involved with them as a fan and a customer and they liked what I was doing. And then I was like, yeah, I'm doing social media because I want to course because I want to work in this. I'm like, all right, let's talk. Uh, and so since you had an in, good for you. Yeah. And, and so that saves me now having to go and do um, like another marketing degree or marketing diploma because I'm getting on the job training. And it's fabulous. Yeah, that that is, I mean, there is a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of equity in that. And, you know, and learning on the fly and, and having people like sort of mentor you and things like that is really very important. No, it, and it really is. And um, I'm learning a lot. And also the, the company is benefiting a lot from the fact that I've been so deeply involved in the community in my own work for so long. Um, have a lot of connections to to bring across and it's been yeah. working out for both of us which is great um but on to the comic that we're actually talking about i suppose <laughs> <laughs> on to on to i hid fairyland yeah um to gertrude and her green hair yes yes um so if anyone that hasn't read it issue one is free on comiXology right now you can go and just grab it and pick it up and read it as you go if you want to go to that right now, come back in 10 minutes and watch the rest of the episode because you are probably going to get spoilers, but yes, there will be spoilers. <laughs> um, we're going to sort of, we're going to take a look at issue one while we talk, because that's what I've got open for us to sort of flip through right now. But the, the whole book is done now, if I remember correctly. Yes, there are three volumes. Uh, there's three full volumes. And um, I want to say there's six issues each volume. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I, I have all three volumes, and I think, first of all, I adore Scotty Young's artwork. There's yeah, it's really fun. So, I mean, there's something innocent about it, but there's also something so, like, chaotically mischievous about it, which I think is so fabulous. Um, and I really, when I, I mean, I had seen he had done um, the Rocket Raccoon and a couple of other stories and stuff, but I really loved the, this whole concept of this young girl going to fairyland and being stuck there for 30 years <laughs> and um, just ending up being this sort of like, grumpy grizzled cynical brat who is still in the body of like a seven-year-old i mean there's something so there's something so delicious about that yeah and she she just looks so cute with her like her spinny curls and everything and she's so perfect and you know this i and and it's just the idea of like the the never-ending quest that really could have been over and done with if she had actually just shut up and listened yeah yeah, and that is an important lesson for all of us to learn. Sometimes it's time to just shut up and listen. My mom says you have two ears and one mouth, and math says you have to shut up and listen. <laughs> I like so that. So there you go. 
I'm actually pulling it up on my Kindle now so I can so I can make sure that I don't misspeak. Awesome. Well, yeah, I've just got the uh, the first page up right now um, where Gertrude's playing in her bedroom and then suddenly a freaking pink and fluffy black hole opens up in the floor. As pink and fluffy black and holes are, are wants to do. Yeah, and I, I love that as well, that um, Scotty didn't choose to just create a magic portal, but he just he made it the floor and it kept it all with all the pink... All the, the polka dots and the stuffed toys. The uber girly stuff. Yeah. He's just... I mean, just his style in general, but his... His storytelling, his... just It's just so fun. There's nothing not fun about this. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing not funny about it. Yeah, even um, in the darkest parts of the story... It's yes. still and there are some dark parts. It does. It gets pretty gruesome. <laughs> and... But even but that's the thing is even the stuff that's really gruesome, it's very sort of Looney Tunes. Gruesome. Exactly. Yeah, you it's know? like and if I Looney think... Tunes had an R rating. Well, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, Itchy and Scratchy from The Simpsons. Yeah. Yes. I you know, where people's heads are getting blown off and things like that. Like, that's what it really reminds me of, is that itchy and scratchy. Yeah, no, I like that. And I like on the second page here as well. Like, it, it instantly juxtaposes from all that bright chaos to the, uh, the, the pitch blackness. And also, I mean, when you look at these sort of, like, idyllic, innocent eyes that she has, and then like as she's falling once she and, and when you get farther into the story and she's older you see that like this sweet idyllic angelic face is <laughs> so corrupted yeah and so and so like beaten down that she's just like <laughs> you know she's like the, just like this angry old lady um and unfortunately she's just I, I misspoke, excuse me, she's six, she's not seven. Uh, but unfortunately, she's been there 30 years, and now she's just like, uh, screw it, I'm never getting out of this place. Yeah. You know, and I, like, picture her, like, speaking with, like, you know, like a smoker's cough. I, I sort of you know? imagine her sounding like, um, I've forgotten the actress's name right now, but have you watched Kimmy Schmidt? Yes. Lillian. Yes. She, I'm getting serious Lillian vibes. Oh my god. I think that the other thing is that like in Fairyland you can't she really can't die. Yeah. Like she gets you know, she gets beaten and 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 basically torn apart. But she can't really die. And then there's that reveal on page 4 where you see this sort of like incredibly idyllic place with like <laughs> I'm looking at that right now. Where this even the sun has a happy face on, you know, and and there's clouds in the sky, and you know even the the mean looking ogres are still like kind of like mm -hmm. yeah they're still you pretty know, cute. Still look, and mind you, she's literally bruised and bloodied. Yeah, she's bleeding all over the floor, this. missing a tooth. I I just noticed in the extreme foreground 
there is a mouse pirate. I was, yes, literally as you said that, I, he just caught my eye. Just the little glint of silver on his sword. Yes, the mouse pirate. It's, it's great. And then there's like a gentleman pig and what looks like a gentleman octopus. I think and, we're going to have mean, to get on Scotty's commission list now just for a mouse oh, pirate God. commission. Oh, man, that would be great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just... The thing about this story is that his drawing, his art style is just so, like, sweet and innocent, and the subject matter is just so, yeah. so dark. Yeah, and it's that hardcore juxtaposition. Oh, man, I just noticed that even the mountains have faces. Yes, the old man mountain. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't notice that yeah. before. It's just, I, I don't know what that, like... Thing, that sort of ball with three eyes a triclops oh yeah <laughs> i don't know what he is but then there's like the guy who kind of looks like that one monster from the muppets yes with the horns in the front yeah just miniaturized oh my god there's some kind of prince charming on the horse in the background yes but his horse looks like it's like a stuffed horse yeah <laughs> it's huge and then you have uh, you have Queen Claudia, who yeah. is supposed to be sort of like Gertrude's savior, and um, things get very dark with Queen Queen Claudia. Oh yeah. Sorry, spoiler spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> it's a fabulous, fabulous book. Larry. So, yeah, so they, yes, Larry is the the fly who's supposed to be kind of like her her guide yeah. throughout. Fairy kind Man. of her Jiminy Cricket. Exactly. Yeah, and I forgot has... his name until now. Yeah, Larry. Lar uh, Larrigan Wentzworth the <laughs> Third. Very, very, very proper name. Um, and yeah, he's supposed to he's supposed to help her, and unfortunately, things don't things don't go the way they should. Yeah, you know? not really. Poor, poor Gert has a compound fracture in her left arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep, I forgot and about that. It's just sticking right out there. She's supposed to have, she's supposed to just really simply have a quest. She's supposed to find a couple keys, and then she can go home, and everything's fine. But, you know, we cut to 27 years later. Like, yeah, the old man moon. Old man in the moon, and she is just foul mouth. <laughs> and and I love the way like he doesn't even do grolics for no. when he when you know she gets foul it's um Larry it's been four days since we passed Peppermint Pike we should be at Candy's Muffin Huggin Rock by now <laughs> like we know what she's trying to say yeah but... it's kind of like the good place yes it's exactly like the good place yes yeah shirt fork that and and so on well fluff you and fluff this map yeah and and i have to say the letterer i think the letterer is nate picos yeah i was trying to double check um i think nate does such a great job with the lettering um especially with things as simple as you know tweaking fonts when it comes to um you know her cursing mm -hmm. and 
I believe that the font, I, I believe there is a font with Blambot, which is Nate's company that uh, creates fonts. And if you, if you want to become a letterer, I definitely suggest you check out Blambot.com. I and think I literally just booked that, bookmarked that for my work. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, and he has an I Hate Fairyland font, and it's got, you know, all these great, um, these great fonts in it. Um, and it really has, like, such a fabulous look. And that sort of whimsical look of it really lends itself to the, to the story. Oh, my God. And then we see, you know, uh, it's funny because she says, fluff that guy, but you see her giving the finger. So I'm yeah. like, all right, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but you see that she has these, like, it almost reminds me of, like, Mario. What was it? Was it was it Paper Mario or, like, one of the Mario worlds where, like, everything had a face. Yeah. Cannonballs, everything had a face. And, and kind of also, like... Um, Roger Rabbit. Yes. So, like, every time she shoots something or she does, or there's a shooting of a gun or a cannonball or something, it always has a face on it. Yep. So she, like, so she's pissed off at the moon and she literally blows the moon up. Yeah. And not in a, like, cutesy way. Like, no. This is... Yeah. It's right here. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is like a two-thirds splash of I love the, the gush in the middle. Yes. Eyeballs exploding, brain, heart, you know, teeth broken, just you know, arterial blood spray everywhere. Yeah. It is just so gruesome. Also, just but as an aside, the... I love the panel borders. Yes. They're, they're, you know, just ever slightly, like, wavering and hand-drawn. Yeah. And they're, they're just fantastic. I, I don't think I really uh, noticed that last time. It's, then it's one of the reasons why I've been loving doing this show, because I'm preparing to write and draw my first just completely made-by-me books for next year. And every time I talk to someone on this show, I notice new things about the books as we're going through them, and I feel like I'm learning so much just by chatting with other people about these books. And and that's important just as an artist to be able to recognize even something like line weight. Yes. You know, like if someone uses like thick, thin and such. And on this, if you notice in the coloring, if you go to the next page and even with the moon, the colorist changes the line color. Oh, so yeah. the moon's line color is this sort of blue gray purple like almost like an antique kind of lilac mm. whereas gertrude is you know black line and so is larry but then when you look at the stars the stars again their line color is switched to like yeah. a yellow orange hey, um <laughs> i love the the little bullets too Yes, the cannonballs. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. And then they just rip through. There's literally bone hanging out. X's over eyes. Like, these four <laughs> stars are just decimated. Yeah. To the point. And then, like, they're at, you know, Queen Claudia's castle. 
And she's like, oh, this is such a beautiful night. Look how lovely everything is. So many shooting stars. And it's not shooting stars. The stars are literally falling out of the sky because they have been murdered. Yeah. Yeah. The stars aren't shooting. The stars have been shot. Yes, exactly. Uh, and this that is... page isn't going to load. So I'll skip to this, this next is... one. This is when Queen Claudia decides. Yeah, that Gertrude is a problem. Yeah, Gertrude is more than a problem. <laughs> yeah. And she's definitely going to make it a point to find her and and get her. Yeah, she's hiring a freelancer as as it goes on. Yes. And she finds a way to she it's she's basically hiring a hitman for Gertrude. Yeah. Because she knows that Gertrude is destroying everything. Now, meanwhile, Gertrude basically feels like there's, it's almost like, like Groundhog Day to her. Like, in yeah. the sense that, like, well, I can do anything because, you know, whatever, they're never going to kick me out because they, we learn that they can't kick her out. She, Gertrude, has to get her way out. So, yeah. all right, now I'm just going to, you know, raise hell for the sake of raising hell. Yeah, I, th I think it's like it's she's equal parts uh, Donnie and the dude. No, <laughs> no, so not Donnie. Um, that was uh... Walter. Yeah, Walter. That's the one. Yeah, she's equal yeah. parts Walter and the dude at this point. Yeah, and she just goes nuts, and uh, they they end up getting her, and you know. Yeah, okay. I love the frog taser. Yes. I love the frog taser, the fact that, like, she's brought to, um, the, uh, the slug. Yeah. She's got bones the, uh, in her hair. Slug. Yeah. I, I didn't notice that before, but she's got bones in her curls. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> from the, from the x-ray of that. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, so she gets brought to the Slug Lord, and you know by this point, she really is infamous in Fairyland. Oh yeah, you know it's been twenty-seven years. Yeah, and everyone knows every who she is. Everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows what a pain in the ass she is, and everybody knows that this is turned. This is like the worst case scenario. Yeah. Oh my god. I love all the little uh, logo fonts that they've added for all the different words. Yes. Like all the all the different and locations is, and people. And this is why I'm I'm I really, you know, Nate Picos gets a lot of props for this. Um because he really did go through and, you know, dreaming of the gleaming dove and half a dozen blunders who drink from the spring of spring of time but have no time to waste and who eat from the ringed mind, but can't stand the taste, you know, the sort of riddle yeah. that she has to answer. Um, the funny thing is that Gertrude really can leave anytime she wants. She just has to do, she just has to find the keys and get out. And she refuses to do that. <laughs> and I don't understand. And maybe, Maybe she just 
doesn't have like the patience for it maybe it's a don't tell me what to do yeah i think it's but... a bit of that it's like it's that stubbornness and like no i'm not part of your system it's funny you say that because I just talked to my students about the fruit on the ground, Lonely Island, the other day. <laughs> and when he goes, I won't be part of your system. That's yeah. exactly what she... Yeah, she, exactly. It, that's it. She she knows how to get out. Yeah. But she's she determined. Yeah, she's pissed and determined to do something else. Yet she's, you know, her own worst enemy. Yeah. And, yeah, she ends up really messing with the the, the slug. Yeah. <laughs> eating him with his own, and choking him with his own clock, which is obviously a an homage to um, uh, Jabba the Hutt and yeah. Princess Leia. You know, choking yeah. the giant slug. Uh and then she has uh I, well i don't know if it's technically cannibalism because i guess cannibalism would be her on another human yeah but she's yeah. chewing on this dude yeah she's chewing on these mushroom dudes and that's gross <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think they might also be uh, hallucinogenic they might be because you have to have a look at the eyes as she's munching on them yeah, she's got, like, swirly, hypnotic, crazy eye going for her. <laughs> the Shroom Patrol instead of the Doom Patrol. The yeah. Doom Patrol. That's awesome. Oh, my God. And then she realizes that she really does have to make a break for it because they're coming after her with the big guns. And, of oh. course, in Fairyland, there's all kinds of crazy stuff, like flying pigs. pigs. And, and then, there you go, confirmed. She's she's hallucinating hardcore when she's looking at Larry. Yes. And Larry is just like out of it. <laughs> oh my god. See, that would have scared the hell out of me, but she's just <laughs> she's okay with it. Yeah. You know, she's just sort of like I'm tasting thoughts. Well, yeah. yeah, this isn't my first rodeo. Thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, after 27 years in Fairyland, you pretty much have, you know, seen it all and done it all. <laughs> yeah, it is, she yeah, tries... Sorry? No, I was just going to say, like, and finally the the trip wears off. And she finally realizes that, like, she's going to be Okay. Yeah, and yeah, now they're on Ice Cream Island. Yes, which is one of the places that she's supposed to have gone to the first time. <laughs> the first 27 years ago time. Yep. Oh, man, I could go for some Ice Cream Island. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty freaking hot here. So, yeah, Ice Cream Island sounds good. You know, I gotta tell you, time zones and hemispheres, like, just mess with me. Because, like, my heat is blasting on me right now. Yeah, whereas... And it's... Whereas with you, it's going to be summertime. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, end of spring, start of summer, and it's already ridiculous. Nope. This is... This is... 
you know, this is where things get really, really cold for us. And I'm just like, I just want to curl up in bed and sleep in the nice warmth. Yeah, it's it's 83 um, outside. Is that cent- that's, that's that's Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't do the Fahrenheit centigrade too no, quickly. Me neither. I just I I'm just lucky that if I just look up local weather, it's got a button so I can click either. You know, I was staying at a girlfriend's in in London a couple of years ago, and she had Alexa, and I kept saying like, Alexa, what's the temperature out? And she would say it in centigrade, and I would say, Alexa, what's the temperature in Fahrenheit? And she would say it in Celsius again, and I'm like, damn you, Alexa! <laughs> I can't do the 5 over 9 or 9 over 5 math in my head! Yeah, well, it's it's 28C, and that's 83F. You're going to make me do algebra? Oh, no, you don't, don't have to work it out, but that's that's what it is oh. right now. It's 28 degrees okay. Celsius, and it's um, 83 Fahrenheit right now at 11 a.m. Equals 28C equals 83F. So 28 times X equals 83 divided by 28. Oh, God. You know, it's been 30 years since I did algebra. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah, well, for a I'm nice... A nice round number for you is 100 Fahrenheit is 37 Celsius. Oh, God. <laughs> 100F equals 37C. Which, uh, fuck it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not and doing so it. 100 Fahrenheit is just like, it. that's Monday in summer here. That's the average. I remember um, I was in desert. I was in Palm Desert, California, for a conference back in two thousand eight, and it was like there were a lot of stupid things about this conference. One of the stupid things was that gas was like five dollars a gallon, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. I take the um, I, I get like a cab from the airport to the hotel where the conference is, and I'm not lying when I tell you. The cab was two hundred dollars. <laughs> Actually, no, I believe you. Because I remember, you know, getting public transport around San Francisco when I was first there, uh, for a couple of days, and that was expensive enough. I I get to the hotel, and it's like a four or five day conference, and at one point. They wanted to take a photograph. They wanted to take a photo of everybody at the conference outside. It was 118 degrees, but there's no but there's no humidity, is what everybody said. I don't care. 118 degrees is 118 degrees. Humidity, no humidity, it doesn't matter. My purse got so dry from sitting outside that it cracked my leather purse cracked and the the uh strap cracked and broke off that's how dry it was outside yeah yep. i'm like damn it so yeah yeah I, that I, that was where i grew up was dry and, and and hot like that and then here in in brisbane it's like the uh queensland is the florida of australia in terms of so weather humid. yeah yeah yeah, I just want, like, San Diego weather, 73 degrees, perfect, never rains, I don't know how, it's just chef's kiss. Hmm. 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We we got around the 118 mark a few days last summer. Like, like a lot of days last summer, which is how half the country ended up on fire. Yeah, we're actually going into the... Like, we've been in the 30s and 40s this week, and then next week, by the end of next week, we're going to be in the 60s. So don't even... I don't even understand. Yeah. I don't get any of it. And it's just been, like, gross and rainy. And I keep telling my husband, if I wanted to have lived in Seattle, I would have lived there. And it's just, like, gross, cold, rainy, ugh. Yeah. You know, just make you never get out of bed. But, all right. So, okay, so they make it to the Ice Cream Island. Yeah. And Gertrude is complaining about the cold, not entirely understanding the fact that ice cream has to be cold. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, she's not the most... She's got a puke. Yeah. She's not the brightest ball. No, she's not. And that's a lot, by the way. Yeah. That's a lot for a little girl. Yeah. And, but, but this is the thing is she's not a little girl anymore. Yeah. She just looks like a little girl. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, she's the, actually the sheer volume that she expels. Oh, she... oh God. Yeah. Yeah. For such it's a, all, it's basically all of her. Yeah. yeah. There's even some bones in it. Well, she was eating those mushroom dudes. She ate all of them. <laughs> like, she was chomping on, like, skull and brain and just, oh, my God. Just terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I just think it's funny because when we first meet Larry, he looks like a functioning alcoholic. <clears throat> like, he looks like somebody who's an alcoholic who you know is an alcoholic but he still gets his job done yeah he's functioning now he's just literally like look lady i'm stuck with you can we please get through this stupid ass you know thing yep. this quest so i can just get on with my life and now it just larry just doesn't even give a shit anymore right yeah he's so over her shit and to me uh larry sounds like bob hoskins in my head Yes. Yes. I can definitely see. Like, I don't understand why they haven't even made this a movie yet. Yeah, right? I, I don't care Scotty whether it has to be animated or live action, but I think... I think if it was live action, it would be even funnier. Or maybe, maybe it's actually, it's like a a who framed roger rabbit where fairyland is all animated and she's real yeah that would be funny oh poor larry (laughs) yeah he's so done with gertrude so done i would be too i'll be honest i would be too like reading this book i was like i'm never having kids right and and Um, then here comes nipples the gertrude slayer yes It's like it's like the real He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like what you just think about actual He-Man. Yeah. It's like the giant skulls, the mace, the axe, and like literally like baby bottle nipples. <laughs> yep. Oh jeez. 
Oh my god. And yeah, I just love that that's that's the final page. Oh man, and the moon behind him. Yeah. <laughs> the moon is just it's just bandaged wrapped up. up. You know, there's there was a Scotty Young Moon Knight cover that was, you know, he was doing all of his 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 uh, all, uh variant covers and the Moon Knight cover that he had had was like just so great. Um, and it kind of reminds me of that, that sort of, and you look at the ends, the edges are just so ever so curly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's so perfect. I mean, I really, I, I love his work. I really, really do. Just his, I mean, just zooming in, like his line work is so great. Yeah. I love, and... I think that's what I've been drawn to lately. The last few comics I've talked about on the show, I've always had sort of the same thing to say is that there's like a real economy of line in the work yeah like yeah. there's detail but there's not too much internal detail you know and even here on the when you look at the the ice creams in the background and on the moon the the line art is uh the color change on the line art mm. so this way you have your foreground characters with the black line <clears throat> pushing forward and these you know the moon and everything still present but pushed back yeah no and, and i like that and that's actually something i want to experiment with on this mini that i'm working on i i realized after i did a assignment for the uni course last year that i'd accidentally combined some of the photographic stuff that i'd been learning in the photography classes with my illustration and was doing like accidentally yeah, though I just as I finished it, I looked at it. I was just like I made some choices about what I thought would look cool. And then when I looked at it, I realized I'd sort of unconsciously pulled focus and put the line art in the background sort of fuzzy and translucent and made the foreground character really crisp and hard-lined and I was like that's really fun and I actually want to work on doing that on purpose now. Well, that's, that's the thing is like, once you do it on purpose, you got to make sure that you like, sometimes when you do things on autopilot, it comes out better. And then if you stop and think about it and like, well, how is it that I do this is when you get the yips and you're just like, whoa, I don't understand. Um, it's funny. I, I, I drive a manual and not that many people in the States drive manual. And a friend of mine asked me as I'm driving, like, how is it that you do it? And I, when I stopped, now mind you, I've been driving a manual for 25 plus years. Yeah. When I stopped and thought about it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to stall out because now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you've literally been doing this every day of your life for the past 25 plus years. Why, like, why does it make a big thing? And um, I don't know if you ever watched Bob's Burgers. There was an episode where, uh, one of the regulars at Bob's Burgers asked him how he made a burger and because he had to stop and think about it like everything fell apart yep like he forgot everything like he didn't even know how to use the spatula to flip the burger because he's like because it was so just second nature and that if you stop and you think about it it's like oh my god you know so I I try not to, and I notice that when I'm writing sometimes if I think about it too much I get that block but yep. if I just say to myself, all right, screw it, just do it, just let, you know, let that other personality who actually knows what they're doing take over for a bit, 
and just do it, then it actually goes through as opposed to sitting there in every single, you know, sentence making this like crazy choice and then be, oh, I hate it. I got to reset. Yeah, I, I have to do that when I'm DMing sometimes when I'm like doing live streamed games. And I just like because especially with my brain, I forget a lot of rules sometimes or I'll like, like this thing is this, right? And it's actually this thing is this. And I'm just like, you know what? While I'm DMing on stream, I don't even think about looking at the rules or checking things. And I warn everyone beforehand that I'm probably going to forget some shit and you're just going to have to roll with it. Yeah. You may roll dice for things that you have never rolled dice before when you're playing with me because I am winging it. But, and uh, that's where some of the best stuff comes from. Oh, you know? yes. Sometimes, I mean, I've gotten to the point where like, <clears throat> I try and plan things out really well in terms of like stories and stuff like that. Um, just from like a structural perspective. Um, and I also, especially when it comes to things like world building, I also want to make sure that like I'm following my own rules because the worst thing you can do as a storyteller is sort of set a set of rules for your audience and then totally break them because you've written yourself into a corner. And that's just sort of like, you know, bad writing. But there are times when I'm just like, especially if it's if it's a story that takes that takes place in the real world and i don't have to worry about you know crazy world building where i'm just like huh you know what screw it we're gonna do something different let's just just roll with it and sometimes it works and then other times i'll go back and you know change it in the next draft um but yeah i mean sometimes if you really start to overthink stuff you wind up doing yourself a disservice uh, and I also think that sometimes you just have to get that first draft out, like that word salad out, just get it out of your system and then be like, oh, you know, there actually is a couple of like usable bits in here. Yeah, that, um, that's exactly what I do when I'm sort of planning something for a game. I'll just. Yeah. And then. Yeah, the cat, the gif of the cat doing yeah. this on the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But I mean, you know, it's funny. I. I don't think that you can teach like creativity and things like that. I think that you can um, sort of guide creativity. I think everybody has the opportunity to be creative. Um, and one of the things that I always told my students at the Kubert school is like, look, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what is going to make a good story. So you come to me with the raw materials and together we will sort of build it into a story and take it to the place that you want to go. And a lot of times I found that, um, and, and this not just with the students at the school, but I had taught some, a bunch of online courses as well. Um, people will be like, oh, I have this great story and I've been working on it for the past 30 years. And, um, you know, but, but, it's, but it's perfect. Okay, well, if it's perfect, then why didn't you make it into a story? Why didn't you make it into a comic 30 years ago? You know, um, so part of the process and and I do this as an editor, but then I also have to remember it when I'm getting edits as a writer is you have to be willing to to roll with the punches. And that's always tough, because especially if you have a story that you've been working on for a really long time, everything is precious to you everything every character 
every you know moment every everything is precious to you um but if you're a first time creator what you need to do is you need to just tell a good streamlined story don't overcomplicate it with a race of orcs that you know come out of nowhere and blah 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 and all this other stuff um just tell a good streamlined story and once you can do that then you can start adding elements like um I always talk about like if you ever if you've ever like um, crocheted or knitted or things like that, you know, if you're dealing with one color, you can put together a really nice scarf. When you master that, then you can start adding crazy colors and stripes and doing all this fun stuff. But if you d start, you know, trying to do all the crazy stuff, it's not going to work because you're just going to end up with a mess and you don't want that exactly um so i mean i try and i teach uh, um it can you you might think it's type a but it's this very sort of like specific organized paradigm for how to organize your story even before you start scripting um and then once you get to the scripting phase you've already pretty much thought out your arc you've thought out the um the order in which you're going to tell your story. Are you telling a linear story? Are you telling a nonlinear story? Are you um, going to have, uh, are you starting a story at the beginning of your character's journey? Or are you starting in the middle of your character's journey? You know, things like that. Um, and, and I noticed that some of the students are resistant to some of my suggestions. And, and I get that. And I say, look, I'm telling you, what I think in my professional opinion is going to make for a better story. If you think I'm wrong, prove me wrong. And I, I said that all of last year, which was my first year teaching. Um, and I say that to them again, this year, prove me wrong because I will be the first person standing in line to congratulate you at your book signing. I will be the first person to do that. If you want to do it your way. But for this class, you're going to do my way. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm still the instructor here, damn it. Exactly. And, that's, and that's it. Like, that's why I, I try to go into every class thinking, like, I'm going to learn how to do it this class's way. And then I'm going to take that and see how my way mashes with that. Exactly. Because you need to learn the foundationals. Yeah. You, you might and... then be able to rip them apart and create something new. But you... It's, it's like I used to work in advertising and a lot of times clients would always say things like, well, we don't know what we want, but we know, but we know what we don't want. So in order to learn how to craft a story, um, you might not know where the starting point is. So my paradigm for writing a story may not be what works for you, but you don't know if it's what works for you unless you try it. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to eliminate things by trying them and then yeah. eventually find the right combination of things and and find out what also works for your workflow i mean i know some people who do their best work from like 4 p.m to like midnight i know other people who do their best work at like three o'clock in the afternoon mm -hmm. um everybody is everybody's different um yeah i, find I, that I do this sort of stuff good around this time Oh, good. I got it. Good. I yeah. have, I have Sean on his A game. Yeah. I have Sean on his A game. Okay. Good. But uh, as far as my, when I'm illustrating and stuff like that, I like to do that in the afternoon and evening. Yeah. I just like, I can't help it. Like I'll, 
right through the day or whatever. But if I'm sitting around and I'm like watching a movie or just hanging out, listening to music with Robin, out comes the tablet and I'll just be sketching while we're hanging out. It's just yeah. what my brain and body wants to do at that time. I have notebooks like in every room of my house. So I can be sitting, having dinner with my husband. I could be watching TV or whatever. But in, if, I, if an idea hits, I have to write it down. Yeah. And I'll just like grab a note. And then like usually at the end of the week, I like gather them all together. And I like take photos of all my strange, bizarre, like half sentence scribbles and like put them all together. And I'm like, okay, you know, this weekend I'm going to make sense of all of this jumble of yep. stuff. Um, and then it's usually, okay, this goes in that pile and that goes in that pile that just goes in the trash. <laughs> so, yeah. but I mean, like a lot of times when you're creating just in general, um, you, you're going to come up with a lot of good ideas and you're going to come up with a lot of garbage, but sometimes, I mean, if you come up, like when I was working on Forgotten Home, I had started that story as like an anti-Frozen because everybody loved Frozen and mm -hmm. two sisters and loved each other and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to write a story about two sisters who want to kill each other. Because um, I just, I, you know, nothing against it. I know it's supposed to be a good movie, but I was just, I'm so sick of that song <laughs> and everybody singing it. Um, so I had started writing sort of the anti-frozen and I realized that these other elements were coming in that were good but they had nothing to do with that story so I was like okay let me just cut that out and put that over there and then finish my anti-frozen you know story and then I went back to it and I was like okay there's something here I don't know exactly what it is but I started working with it more and more and it's like sort of molding clay and adding a little bit more and that's what basically became forgotten home so I still have like the magical world and things like that, but instead of, you know, the dragons and, you know, the more, I guess, classic fantasy, you know, like sort of almost like medieval kind of um, aesthetic, I had something that was sort of modern. And then the aesthetic of the, the magical world of Janata was going to be this very interesting, you know, amalgam of Sid Mead meets Blade Runner meets, you know, Ralph McQuarrie and a little bit of, you know, sword and sorcery thrown in. Um, and I lucked out with Marika Cresta because Marika was actually trained as an, a, uh, as an architect. So all of her pieces, all of her set pieces are crazy. And just, you know, she basically like everything was like a CAD drawing, you know, like everything was in the right place where it needed to be and everything. And um, when we were going back and forth, when we were first starting on the project, I said, I was like, I'm thinking like Sid Mead, Ralph McQuarrie. And she just writes back, you had me at Sid Mead. <laughs> like, you know, um, just because like really the futuristic concept work from, you know, Sid Mead's work in general were just you know, if, if that does not spark an idea in anyone, then you, you check yourself for a pulse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and it was just, I mean, Marika did such a fabulous job and sort of piggybacking off of that was uh, Yazelle Ayala, who had drawn these 
incredible outfits, these gowns, and everyone sort of had their own sort of royal symbol and everything. And that was a really cool way to sort of marry these two aesthetics. Um, and hell, we were damn proud of that book. We are damn proud of that book. So sorry, I had to put a plug in there. <laughs> no, no, I, that's the, the, well, actually, that's a part, sort of the part of the show that we're approaching, actually. Oh, okay, is, cool. Um, we've reached the end of issue one of I Hate Fairyland with Nipples McGee here. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, like, seriously, if you've got anything that's in the pipes or is has just come out or whatever is happening, tell us about it. That Whatever you can, if there's anything under NDA, obviously, that's not... Well, okay, so I've got Forgotten Home, the full collected edition, all eight issues, is up on Comixology. Um, it will be in print next spring from coming out from Dark Horse. Uh, I've got the Legacy of Mandrake series from Red 5 Comics and Stonebot Comics just came out this week. I just week. bought that last night. Awesome. Uh, issue, the Zero issue is actually for free on Comixology. Excellent. I will go and get that. Yes, as well. there is um, there is a one shot zero issue. That's a thirty two page oversized one and done. Uh, that's on Comicsology, and we tied it into the mini series. Um, and then when it comes out in print, all all five issues, so the zero issue and then one through four, are going to be collected together. Um, so that's out now. Um, we announced at the Mad Cave Showcase in October that uh, I announced the team that I'm working with as the editor um, with Eric Burnham and Stellatia. Um, but we can't announce the title yet, but that book will be coming out um, next spring to summer with Mad Cave Studios. Uh, and I am working on a new series, uh, possibly from Comixology Originals. I'm not exactly sure if, if they're gonna green light it yet, but uh, it's trending green. Uh, and my editor is James Emmett, who is a fantastic editor. Um, they're working on that with me. Um, I actually just sent them the uh, the script for the last draft of the script for uh, issue two today. I hit the send button on that one. I was pretty excited about it. Um, and that's going to be a five issue miniseries. Um, and it's basically the tagline is uh, three sisters who are estranged and were trained by their Nazi hunting mother um, come back home to solve their mother's murder and try not to kill each other in the process. Nice. I like the sound of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Takes place in 1998. Uh, and um, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. If, if writing about, you know, psychopathic sisters <laughs> can be considered endearing. <laughs> Uh, have you been reading Adventure Man? I have not. It's on my pull list, though, but yeah. I haven't been reading it yet. It's good. I think you'll like it. If you like the okay. like interesting sort of combative but healing sister dynamic sort of thing, I think you'll really dig it. And, like, I don't know about you, but I do always have a soft spot for those pulpy old man of adventure type stories. And I appreciate this one that shows at the very beginning all those sort of crappy tropes that those older movies of the time had and then shoves that aside to bring in something newer and progressive. That is very cool. Because... Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like I, as I'm writing this, I'm remembering back to 1998, which I was 20, I was going on 22 back then. 
And um, I was thinking to myself, I was like, part of, I was like, there's a lot of language that I cannot use that was used in 1998 that I don't feel comfortable using. Yep. Um, but this idea of, cause I'm one of three. Uh, I have a, an older brother and an older sister. And there's this dynamic when you're one of three where it's always two against one and it constantly rotates constantly. So this idea of like two sisters shouting at one of them and then one feeling bad and being like, Oh, don't beat up on her. And she's like, but I don't need your pity. And then it's like, you know, this, this constant sort of rotation dynamics of, and they love each other to death. Like they love each other so much that they would kill each other for each other, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so I, I I really like that sort of bouncing characters off of each other. I did that somewhat when um, when I wrote Charmed with uh, Maria Laura Sanapo, um, who was a fantastic line artist on that. Uh, we had some of that dynamic of these three sisters sort of like bickering and, you know, one taking the side of the other and then turning on a dime kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's that that's siblings right there. Yep. I, I never quite got that myself because between me and my next old youngest sibling is nine years. Okay. So I never quite got that dynamic, but I am, I'm the youngest of three. Yeah. But, I, uh, I have there's heard a, the stories of them. Yes. Well, that's the thing is like, we, there's the three of us in six years. So we're all pretty close yep. in terms of age. Um, and I, I remember my mother telling me, my both of my parents were only children. And I remember my mother telling, uh, calling up a girlfriend of hers and saying, I don't understand why they hate each other. And she's like, it's because you were an only child. <laughs> like, kids are just going to hate on each other. Like, that's just what they do. <laughs> yeah, I say that and that was it. I'm like, I may as well have been an only child the, yeah. growing up because my siblings had pretty much already moved out by the time I was old enough to really to understand what's going that. on but yeah, um yeah yeah my brother and i definitely butted heads as i was growing up i do remember chasing each other around the backyard with a cattle prod <laughs> we didn't have a cattle prod what we would do is we would take um uh this is the 80s the 70s and 80s and you had the really knee-high tube socks and you would take a tube sock and you would stuff other socks into it <laughs> like really, really hard. And it would be this like really dense thing and you would like whip it around and then beat each other with it. Yeah. That's what we used to do. No, I, I we, I, we used to call it the whippy pippy. We used to yeah. do that. No, so, we, beat we, the hell had, out of uh, we had a cattle farmer friend of the family who decided so to- So he gave you a here, just give it, here's a cattle prod for the kids to play with. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh my God. And if so- we had a um, cattle prod growing up, somebody would have died. Yeah. No, he, he zapped me real big with it, and I managed to get it off him. Like, little me, like this big, managed to get it off him and chased him over the back fence. But, um, <laughs> he's probably not going to see this, and I don't really care either way, but my brother hasn't never necessarily been the brightest of the three of us. So I chased him <laughs> over the fence, and he was standing on the other side of the fence, and he forgot that it was made of metal. <gasps> it was just like a chicken wire grid fence. So he got distracted briefly when a family friend came past. So little me put the cattle prod behind my back and promised not to do anything. 
Oh my god. Touched the tips of it to the fence behind my back and turned it on. And told him to climb back over. It's okay, I'm not going to get you. You can climb over the fence. It's fine. You're evil. (laughs) I was like... You're a terrible person. I was nine. You're terrible. (laughs) He deserved it. He zapped me square on the back first. Maybe that's where your back problem came from. (laughs) And he was like 15, so... Oh, that's terrible. Now, I think, like I said, I think the worst thing we did was we used to, like, beat each other with tube socks. Yeah. Although, it is funny, because my, my dad was a cop for for a period of time, and he had a pair of handcuffs where one side worked and one side didn't. And I remember my parents um, going out to dinner and leaving my brother in charge, my older brother, and he didn't want to have to worry about where me and my sister were running off to in the house mind you we had this we had the tiniest of houses like we really did but he didn't want to have to worry about us so he handcuffed me to the closet doorknob and he tied my sister to uh to like he sat her on the floor and like tied her with a jump (laughs) with our jump rope to, to the bedpost so when my parents came home they found my sister tied to the to the bedpost crying they found me like this crying (laughs) and my parents were just like you are all crazy so my we managed to get the one side off but the side that was attached to me could not come off so instead of my dad finding the key or anything like that my mother literally drove us to the police station my brother and I and she said go in there and let them take care of it and I remember like holding my brother's hand and like walking into the police station, like my head down all forlorn and crying and being like, can you please help me? And they're like, where are your parents? I was like, mom's in the car. (laughs) And that was probably, that was probably the worst thing that he did, but no. But I mean, meanwhile, like my brother is, I adore my brother and obviously because we're in our forties now. So our relationship is very, very different, but yes, back then, Yes, that yeah. was a that was a fun one. It's the same with me and my older sister. Um, you know, I'm in my 30s now, and she's got 11 years on me. So, our relationship is a lot different now to what it was when I was little. She's still very protective of me, but it's yeah. still uh, it's it's different. I one of the one of the things that I miss about New York Comic Con that you know, I mean, on an aside, I enjoy going to conventions. I do. 2020 being what it is, I actually kind of like the day, you know, the year off from going to conventions. I know what you mean. Although, although New York Comic Con would be like, I would give my brother a pass, I would get him a pass, and he would come and like, it was it was always really fun because he would sometimes man my table. And my brother is a big dude. He's like, six foot eight. He's like a big dude. And he's, he's like big and big. He's like Bigfoot, basically. <laughs> um, so if you've ever seen like Sasquatch, it's probably my brother before he shaved. And uh, he would come to, he would be standing at my table and anybody who would try and come by and be an ass, he would just intimidate them by sheerly standing up. Um, so I do miss, I do miss this, this, the fact that we missed uh, New York Comic Con this year, but I'm hoping that next year things will be, back to normal i put normal in air quotes because who knows what normal is going to be yeah um 
but I do like the fact that I, I don't have to like get up super early and go to like crazy panels and like run across convention centers and mm -hmm. you know yeah that's yeah. that's nice yeah I've been I, I like the fact that I can sleep type for the last couple yes. of years and so I, yeah I don't miss it like I do miss it but I don't miss the exhaustion of it yes it's and I you know it's funny because a lot of people when they go to conventions and they they are there as as spectators and there's um basically just like customers consumers they don't really understand that standing on your feet for 14 hours a day <laughs> and shouting over your table at people and breathing recycled air and you know it's not good for you yeah um at new york comic-con last year everybody talks about concrete i actually got pneumonia after new york <sighs> comic-con last year yeah i was i was laid up yeah no i've had the, i've had the crud but i haven't had that yeah um my husband and i have been together almost 20 years and he said to me you know i've never in in all the years that we've been together i've never seen you this sick ever um so yeah so last year was i got really sick and when they before they had actually canceled new york comic-con when they were still talking about actually having it i was like whoa like i can't do that i can't go through what i went through last year again mm -hmm. this year um, so I am kind of happy that, that they, you know, that they canceled conventions simply because, you know, I want to be able to sleep. <laughs> yep. That's I'm getting it. old. I'm getting too old for this shit. And the online convention sort of dynamic has been really interesting as, as a result yes. out of it as well. I took part in PAX online this year. Um, and that was really interesting. Uh, I got to be a part of a couple of uh, events over it and it was so different because I went to PAX last year and I was play testing my games there. But this yeah. year I was actually on panels and like doing a live streamed charity D and D game. And it was completely different from being that to this, but then that plus the online international audience dynamic changed completely. Uh, it was amazing, nerve wracking, but amazing. But I think you're right. This idea of, you know, the ability to reach a wider audience. And the ability to make these conventions accessible. I mean, you know, brass tacks, these conventions are financially expensive. Yeah. They really are. And not everybody has the opportunity to share in them. And um, even as, and you know this as an exhibitor, they're expensive as exhibitors as mm -hmm. well. Um, so the opportunity for people to see conventions online, to see panels, to see um to do like virtual meet and greets and things like that. I mean, that really does open up the fandom to people that never really would have the opportunity to go to any of these things, uh, to go to any of these events. So I think that that's really, I'm not going to say it democratized conventions a little more, but it really has sort of helped be able to open it up to a much broader audience, which as creators, I mean, that's great because then this way people see you and your work and they see me and my work, things that to people that may have never seen me before or never seen your work before. Yeah. And this way it sort of opens up your audience. And you talked earlier off mic about like doing Kickstarters. Well, people will be like, oh, hey, that's the guy that I saw at PAX. You know, oh yeah, let me let me back the Kickstarter or let yeah. me retweet it or whatever. And that was you know, exactly so it really it. does help. Yeah. yeah. I had some people who were at PAX, which was down in Melbourne, come and yeah. see me last year at Supernova here in Brisbane 
when I was running an Indiegogo for these D&D screens that I created. Like, they followed me from there to social media, to the event, so they could come and see the real deal thing in, per in person. And, it was and now that you've done things online and reached out to people and, and reached people much broader than even just, you know, the area of people who would have actually gone to the show, then hopefully when you're doing crowdfunding, that that helps that, that yeah, you know, broadens your audience. Exactly. It's just going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a big difference now. Like I've had the opportunity to work with a couple of really cool comics creators on both comics and gaming projects now. And so like our audiences are all cross-pollinating and then there's all of those people from the online conventions and stuff it's a whole new new world and new dynamic for being a content creator right now yeah and i'm not going to say that it's easier now or harder now but it's it's different and i think like we talked before like if you lean into that if you if you start embracing the 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 change that's happening and find your way to navigate it, then then you're going to be better for it, just in general. Yeah, I agree completely. Awesome. Well, that's actually us approaching the hour now, so that's been a really fun talk, actually. I've learned a lot from this episode, particularly. Um, it's got me thinking about way, different ways of doing things for the writing that I'm planning on doing in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've, I have been using a combination of... Uh, storyplanner.com's uh take off your pants outline oh yeah the pantser versus planners that's yeah. right yeah um and then i've also been following uh matt garvey He's just started up his mm -hmm. new youtube channel with comics tips and he did one on scripting comics a little while ago and i wanted to have a crack at that to write a couple of four or five page issues and so and now with this as well i'm looking forward to just clearing my schedule for a week and writing yeah, I mean, Matt has some really good insight. And um, I actually I spoke to him online the other day. Um, I think it's, you know, what he's doing, he's making comics accessible. And I and I really encourage people to check out Matt Garvey's work. Yeah. Um, I also think, you know, there are a lot of really great uh, uh, writers who have uh, vlogs and blogs out there that give writing tips. Like I know Jim Zub has um, has like a writing blog where he gives tips too, um, and I would also if you know if you have the time and you have the resources, I would look into the Kubert School online writing classes as well. Um, they're having uh, Amy Chu is teaching scripting. Um, she is a writer and uh, one of the instructors at the Kubert School as well. She's teaching the uh, the current writing scripting class, which everybody should definitely check out. And you had talked about the the correspondence course, the Cuber yeah. School correspondence course. Um, but I think that you know this idea of like starting small with four and five page stories is very important um, because if you can tell a concise story, then that's like you're build you're starting to build your foundation, and then you get more complex after that. Um, so I think, you know, you need to start sort of mastering the simple stuff. I know everybody wants to fly before they can walk, and I get that, but you got to start small. Yeah. No, we, we all started small. Exactly. That's why my, my main story is completely on hold until I've done a bunch of this small stuff. Yeah. Especially and like before about anthologies, you yeah. know, getting anthology work, you're going to be doing four and five page stories anyway. So it, if you can tell us a, a short story, then it definitely helps you getting work. Exactly. That's exactly it. 
Uh, and another th re thing as well is uh, when I first sat down to do some concept art for the big story, I realized I've never drawn a dog before. <laughs> and my main character is an anthropomorphic dog. I I was working, I, I'm trying to think, I can't even remember what the book was, but I was working on a book and the artwork had a bunch of like knights and they were riding horses. And there were some of the horses that I swear to you, they were not horses' faces. Like, it literally looked like they drew a bear and then, like, elongated the snout. <laughs> and it's because, like, horses have their eyes on the side. And the person had drawn the eyes, like, right here. And I kept looking at it. And I was with a girlfriend of mine who's an artist. And I was looking at the pages. And I was like, "There's, I can't quite place it. And she looks, she goes, is he riding a bear? And I was like, that's it. It's a bear. And then we started going through all the pages and it literally was like, if you had taken it in Photoshop and you took the head and you used like the distort tool and you just smushed it, it was a bear's face. And they just elongated the snout. I was like, oh my God, they're riding bears. <laughs> that's great. Um, so yeah. So look up some, look at, look up some reference on how to draw dogs. Uh, and this person, yeah. she needs to look up says on horses faces yeah i have a because... folder on the ground beside me here with just pictures of dogs so that i yeah. can start doing some study drawings and and that's the thing is like then there's so many different breeds of dogs and are you gonna if it's an anthropomorphic dog is it gonna have four fingers or five like there's like so many different things exactly. definitely also look at black sad are you familiar with black sad sounds familiar um it is a i want to say it is a spanish french comic uh, but Dark Horse puts it out. It is about an anthropomorphic cat named John Blacksad, who is a uh, detective. Um, the artwork is stunning, but all the animals are anthropomorphic. Um, and you should definitely take a look at that too. Um, I want to say there's three volumes that are out, uh, but they're definitely there. I believe they're on Comixology. Um, and uh, yeah, and they come up from Dark Horse. So. Awesome. I'll have to look that up as well. I've been paying a lot of attention to uh, Grumble. By... Yes. Yeah, we did an episode on but... that a couple of episodes ago, and I just was reading the latest Rafer one last and night. Mike. Yeah. Yeah, and they're good guys. I love Mike's work drawing dogs, whether they're humanoid <laughs> or non-humanoid. I found Mike through Battle Pug originally yes actually that the hawk girl rogue piece behind me is mike's piece oh cool that he did for me um at he was at one of the i had met Mike. i had known mike online but i had met him in person at one of the london conventions a couple of years ago and he um i said to him i was like hey i want a commission i was like look if, if i pay you in american dollars can i get a break <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he did that, that rogue hot girl commission for me. Um, but yeah, Mike and Rafer are great. And I think Grumble's like a great story and Battle Pug is just so great. Yeah. I and love that. A, I think there's a new volume of Battle Pug coming out if I remember rightly. Huh. I think I'm I saw have something to... about that on Twitter the other day. It got me excited. Oh. I'm going to have to send him a note, find out if I can get, uh, get some, get a couple of PDFs sent to me. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> reminds me. I got a PDF sent to me of... I walk with monsters. So awesome. I have to sit down and read that because I want to talk about that on the show real soon. Very cool. 
But thank you so much, Sean, for having me. I know this was like a little back and forth about like how we could, because, you know, time zones are weird. Yeah, time zones are weird. Uh, time zones are very weird. But I do appreciate you taking the time to to work with me and figure this out because no, this is a lot of fun. And I and I hate Fairyland is is a hell of a book and everybody needs to be reading it. Is. It is. It's really fun. And I've been really looking forward to having you in the show. So I was happy to work on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there are a few people who are like high on my list of must have on the show. And for all of you that are, I yeah, I will work on a time because i didn't want to make it too early for you i mean i felt bad you know because no you see know. we usually do 10 a.m on a friday for the live shows okay yeah so, like so that this, works yeah this is the time that i normally do it so that works that, yeah that okay. works out really good all right well i'm going to link all of the links that we've discussed to the different classes and the different comics and youtubes in the comments below for all of you that are watching um i will link erica's social details below and uh go follow erica follow me you can find me at sean sunday art on all socials uh if you're an australian illustrator please hit my link tree and join the australian illustrators discord because there are only a few of us in there right now and i want to bring us all together so we can really push australian comics and australian illustration out into the world a little more strongly we're all a bit scattered right now well that's the thing is is building these communities is so important it really is important especially for like indie comics illustrators and indie comics creators so definitely join the discord do that thing awesome and uh we will see you all next week for the new live episode on friday with adam markowitz we're talking about money shot from vault comics yeah there you go. Yeah, that's going to be the one. So I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you again, Erica. Thank you again, everyone thank that's you, been Sean. watching. I'm going to head off for now, and we'll see you for the next episode of No Capes. Thanks for listening. This has been No Capes. If you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at No Capes Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me on BrainBeast Studios or at BrainBeastSean on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing on Patreon or dropping us a donation on Ko-fi. You'll find those linked in the description. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you for the next episode.